0: So good, good morning again. Today we're in part two of We Are Family. So we're going to talk church for the next few weeks. I want you to understand what a church is and why it is good and biblical idea to belong to one. Not just hang out on Sundays, but actually belong. Actually be a moving part in the church. So, today we'll be in Acts 2, it's on page 855 of your pew Bibles, if you want to open up to that. Uh, we're going to have some other text too, but it's going to be jumping around a little bit, so if you don't, if you, the words are going to be on the screen for the text that I read most of it. So today we're going to look to the second chapter of the book of Acts. And today's lesson is called, The Kind of Church. I want to be a part of. But I need to point out. That I'm not talking about. A perfect church. Someone once said. If I actually found the perfect church. It would no longer be perfect. Once I joined it. And that is so true. For each and every one of us. There is no perfect Church. In reality, I know, and you know, there is no perfect church because there are no perfect people. But with that being said, we do not need to find the best we need to we need to find the best church with which to plant our lives. I will say this over and over again. If you don't feel like you can plug into this church, you need to find another church. You don't get many pastors on Sunday telling you to go find another church. But I will. Because if I, if, if I think if you can't plug into the church, if you don't feel like you can be a part of this church, you need to find a church that you can be a part of. And I'm not afraid to say that. Because I think that everybody needs to find somewhere where they can call home and they can find a family. See, when it comes to, to church involvement, you only have a few options. You, we, you can neglect it. You, you don't see it as a valuable commodity. So you don't make it a priority. You say, ah, church. Mm, no big deal. I don't need that. Or you, you can be a hopper. There's lots of hoppers. They're all over town. You know, they hop from one church to another church to another church. And they go, I'm not happy here, I'm not happy here, and I'm not happy here. And I'm like, you're the only common denominator. Everywhere you go, you're not happy. That's what hoppers are. And there's lots of them. They come to church for six months, and then they hop to another church for six months. They're either doing it because they don't want you to know who they really are or they're doing it because they don't want to plug in and they just want to show up. That's why big churches are big, by the way. Because you can go into a big church and not be noticed by anybody else. So you can go to church, pay your health insurance on a Sunday and nobody even knows you exist. You can just hop in And hop right back out. And then you can be a spectator. You can attend but never commit. You can attend but never commit. You can keep coming to church but you don't want to join because then you'll have to be committed to the church. Oh, if I become a member, then they're going to expect things out of me. but don't you want to belong? That would be my answer to that. Don't you want to belong to something better than what you have already? Or we can belong. You see, this category is for the person that found an imperfect church. That's us, by the way. And upon realization that he or she is imperfect too, jumped in with his or her whole heart, full commitment. They give their time away. They serve. They are generous with their money because it's not their money, by the way. It's God's money. We don't have nothing that wasn't given to us first by God. And they pray and they never look back they don't go oh I wonder what it would have been like at this church or this church they pull in knowing that they're surrounded by imperfect people and they they become part of the family so what does this example of the early church teach us about being that kind of church that's headed in the right direction not a perfect church but a church that's going in the right direction. A church is not a place you go to, but a people to whom you belong. That's why I think of you all as my family. I think of you all as my family. If you called me up and asked me something, if I was capable of doing it, I would try and do it for you. Because you're my family. That's what families do. They stick together. They love each other. Even though sometimes we're irritable. And, and we're not perfect. That's what we do. So today we are talking about that kind of church we want to be a part of. Where we're talking about a group of fellow believers in Christ that I believe God wants me to to join and journey with and you to join and journey with. And, and and we're on a journey of faith. And none of us are there yet. None of us has crossed the line yet. Because we're all still breathing this air here. So when we talk about The kind of church I want to be a part of. Our focus isn't on perfection, but direction. It's the church seeking to follow Christ. And is God calling me to join them for the journey? Because if you aren't all in, I don't understand. I actually don't understand if you're not all in, why you show up on Sundays. Because it's pointless. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be a community of believers growing together. We're going We're going to look at the example of the early church here in Acts chapter 2 to learn what things should characterize a church that is headed in the right direction. So this sermon is not about us finding the right church to be a part of, but how we can contribute to making this church this church that God has called each and every one of us to. You didn't show up here by accident today. You might think, oh, I just come in the drove the Papa. This is all my decision to come here. That is bogus. The reason you're here today is because God wanted you here. He wants you here. So we can... Become part of the right kind of church. Indeed, it isn't about going to church, but it's about becoming the church. We're supposed to become the church because this is just a building. This is just a building. This building could go away and one day it will. It won't be here any longer. 100, 200 years from now, this building will be Gone, 500 years from now, whatever. But the church, as people, we will always be together. We are one in Christ. Acts 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were all together. If you want to know what a church is supposed to be like, the the book of Acts is where you want to go. That is what a church is supposed to be. You see, we read about the church in Acts, we should be immediately impressed with their unity. They have unity from the get-go. One of the outstanding things is their oneness. See, the early church shared three things that contributed to their unity. They shared a common commitment to the Lordship of Christ. That Christ Jesus was their Lord. He wasn't just their Savior. He was also their Lord. Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See, if I, com- uh, if I committed to the Lordship of Christ, then I will do as he says. See, we all go around saying, yes, Jesus is Lord, but then we don't act like Jesus is Lord. Because we don't want to give up stuff in our life. We want to hold on to it. God is saying, "Take." I want you to give that up. I want all of you, not just part of you. I don't want 10% of you. I want all of you. But that's not what we do. We give him a portion of our life. That is not what God asks for. Jesus doesn't say, come partly follow me. He says, come follow me. What that means is, leave your old life behind and follow me. And I'm gonna be your director of your new life. What was good about the first the first day they shared a common commitment to love one another. In Acts two, forty six forty four through forty six that Jackie read. Descri- it described their commitment to one another they committed that they were they were a church committed to being the church together which meant they were committed to doing this journey with god together not just meeting on a sunday not just showing up one day a week they were breaking bread together in their homes as well as their church. See, in every church family, we find that the difference between the different believers are at different points along the road. You know, we're not all the same. We're not all the same maturity level right now. We're not all, all... growing at the same pace but we're all on the same journey and the church that you should want to be a part of is one where we they are committed to doing this journey together no matter where you are and like i said if you don't think this is the church that you can feel like you can grow in find that church And I'll see you in heaven. But if you can't grow, here you need to find somewhere else to grow. Because it's imperative for your life. See, we don't all possess the same thing. We process the things the same way. That's why we don't grow at the same speed. We don't process it the same way. We don't look at it the same way. So, all of us, and I have trouble here, all of us have to be patient and loving. And this is where I struggle. I struggle being patient and loving. I want to be patient and loving. It's something that I personally have to battle with all the time. But it's something that we need to work at. Not just individually, but as a church. Henry Blackaby says this. God speaks by his spirit through his word and through prayer through circumstances, and his church to reveal himself, his purpose, and his ways. And what is God most interested in? God is more interested in our growing in an intimate love relationship with him more than anything else in the world. He wants you to have a relationship with Him so you can have a relationship, the same type of relationship with other people. You can, if you don't have a relationship with God, and there's a lot of us sitting in this room that don't really have a relationship with God. We say we believe in God. We say we love God. But when was the last time you spoke to God? When was the last time you listened to God? If you're not reading the Word, you're not listening to Him. It's not just, hey, let's go to church on Sunday and listen to the preacher ramble for an hour. You should be in the Word. You should be speaking to Him. You should be listening to Him. I actually believe... One time in my life he's done this. He orderly, or, he will speak to you. I've heard the voice of God sitting in this church. When he called me to be a pastor. It's the only time in my whole life I have actually heard him verbally speak to me. And I've told you this. He actually gave me a name for a church. And it wasn't this church's name by the way. Just so you know. So, I'm going to have to do some real good thinking of how I can make a ministry inside this church named that name. It was Crossing Nails. I was. <laughs> so, so, while I was sitting in the pew over here, God spoke audibly to me. So, I believe God speaks audibly. To you. But I also believe he speaks through other people to you. But most of the time, most of the time, I would say at least 95% of the time, he speaks to you through this book. And if you're not reading this book, you're not listening to him. And if you're not listening to him, how are you supposed to change? How am I supposed to become more patient? How am I supposed to become more loving? If I don't even have a relationship with the Father, who created me, see that's the problem. We need to get this relationship—the vertical—that that's got to be right. Then the horizontal relationships will be right. But until this relationship's right, this relationship's going to suck. It just is. Well, not everyone was on board initially, everyone got on board. See, not everybody showed up. 120 people showed up. There was 500 people that seen Jesus raised from the dead. 120 people showed up at Pentecost. But it wasn't long before they all showed up. They all got on board. See, all God requires if we would be used of Him to fulfill His calling is not that we be perfect. If that's what's holding you back, I'm never going to be perfect. So if, if being perfect holds you back from serving God, that's a, that's a crappy reason. Because you're not going to serve Him perfectly, nobody is. We can't. We're imperfect people. See, all he wants us to be is willing people. That's all. Willing. I'm here talking to you. I would not speak in front of my English teacher in school. There was only... Ten people in my class, because we were the lowest class. And, and, and I couldn't pass English. I got an F in English, by the way. So some of my spelling might be wrong sometimes, because I wasn't very good at English. But I will tell you this. When they asked me to speak, this is one of the reasons, in front of people, I told the teacher, no. I spent more time looking into the classroom than in the classroom in English. For five years, I was always in the bottom class. For the first three years I was in English in in high school, the teacher would tell me to do something and I would tell her not not to be cheeky. Or if she told me not to be cheeky, I would tell her not to be cocky. And then it would be Ed, Ed, outside, what was Edwin, outside. And I would have to stand outside the the class. But she would ask me to read. And I would say, no, I'm not speaking in front of anybody. But when God called me, he gave me a willingness. I had a willingness to do what he asked me to do. And now I am. Now you can't shut me up. If only my English teacher, she'll be dead now. She was like 80 when she taught me. And uh, so, but but if only my English teacher. But who did see me do this is my sister over Christmas. And after I preached a sermon and she listened to it, she, she couldn't believe it was her brother that was preaching. Because she grew up with me. She knew who I was. See, this, this threefold willingness of... Of The the early church enabled them to be one accord. And if we are willing in the same way, we can move forward in oneness and unity. Two. A church that adores the Lord. This is, this should have been really number one, but this is something that we have to be. You see? When Peter stood up to speak on that day at Pentecost, he proceeded to preach a Jesus-filled, Jesus-exalting message. That's all you ever get. By the way, if you do choose to go to another church and they don't mention Jesus in the sermon once, don't go back to that church. Please. Because if they don't talk about Jesus, they ain't a church. See, the early church was all about Jesus. And the church I want to be a part of, and I hope you want to be a part of, is one where Jesus is praised, preached, and proclaimed. You see, that's why I say, I've said this my whole, ever since I've been saved, I say, I, I used to say I, now I say we, I exist to make much of Jesus. That's why on the sign it says, we exist to make much of Jesus. Because that's why I believe we exist, to make much of Jesus. It's not about us, it's about Him. And interestingly enough, if our lives are being filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be centered on Jesus and Jesus alone. See, John fifteen twenty six says this, this is the amplified version. But when the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor... Strengthener, standby, comes. I like it because it says all them names. And I'm like, wow, that is the Holy Spirit. Comes, whom I will send to you. The Father, the Spirit of truth who comes, proceeds from the Father. He himself will testify regarding me. See, you can't help it if you really let the Holy Spirit take over your life. You can't help. Help, but be Jesus-centered. See, what it means to look to Christ as our source. The source of our salvation, most importantly. But also, the source of our purpose in life. See, most of us, not most of us, but some of us, only look to the point of salvation. Oh, God got me out of that one. I'm saved. That's all I care about. I can go and live my life however I want now because I'll take a bit of this. I'll take a bit of your salvation. But I don't want you to tell me how to live my life. Well, I would, if it was me feeling like that, I'm not judging you, but if it was me feeling like that, I'd be on my knees praying to God to come into my heart because I would think I'm not saved if I go continue living my life, however I lived it before I walked in these doors, and nothing changed, I would have to question my salvation. I don't say anybody is not saved or saved. God will make that final judgment. But I would question my salvation if I was still living the same way today as I was living 20 years ago when I walked into this church. See, He is our all in. He is all we need. All we need in all circumstances. You going through something in life? Jesus is the answer. Take it to Him. He will comfort you. It's not going to make it easier, but he is there to comfort you. He is there to strengthen you. There are promises, if you read your Bible, you would know this, that God promises to us. That he is all we need. Paul said it best, for me to live is Christ. I actually think Paul lived a full life. I mean yeah he was beaten up and thrown a few ditches and he got shipwrecked three times but I think that's a pretty exciting full life. I mean and it was a quick end and he got to see his fo- he got to see God like it was head off go I'm home. See the rest of that verse says For me to live is Christ. Death is gain. We walk around like we're scared to die. It also means to glorify Christ in every motive of our life. See, Corinthians 10.31 says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do... Do all to the glory of God. Anything you do. I can think of a lot of anything I can put in there that I'm not allowed to say in church. That you do. As long as it's godly. As long as it's biblical. Okay. It's okay to do it. To the glory of God. You should love your wife to the glory of God. If you like hiking, you should hike to the glory of God. Whatever you do, if you like to eat a nice ribeye, you should eat it to the glory of God. He made it. That's where we should first go. We should say, hey, this restaurant has a good steak. We should say, wow, God made a good steak here. I get to eat it. See, caution's free. Verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord, not for man. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from man that you will receive the inheritance which is your real reward. The one whom you actually serving is the Lord Christ, the Messiah. So when you go to work, do it for the glory of God, not for the paycheck. The paycheck will come, but that's because you're doing it to the glory of God. Do everything that you do. To, you shovel the snow on Thursday when it comes, do it to the glory of God. Or pay somebody to do it to the glory of God. See, it means that we, resem- we resemble Christ in all our goals. I want to be like Christ in the way I think, in the way I feel, and in the way I act. That's why I think it's important to be a part of the church so people can say, hey, that's, you're not acting very godly right now. You're not acting very Christ-like right now. We're supposed to hold each other accountable so we can mature and grow in our faith. See, I want my relationship with Christ to impact my head, my heart, and my hands. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. So there's going to be suffering on this right road. It's not all perfect. I'm not telling you, and I'll never be the pastor that's standing up here saying, if you do this, your life is going to be great. Nothing's going to happen to you. No bad's going to come your way. Because I don't believe that. I believe we live in a sinful, broken world, and sin exists. That's why we have cancers. That's why people die. That's why we've got a broken system. Because it is broke. Not because, of, not because of, of, of the system, because of man. Adam, he broke it. And if you were there, you would have broke it. We are to dwell with Christ in our hope. A Christ-centered believer will daily embrace Christ's assignment for their life. Do you every day go? Hey, today I'm going to live for Christ, and He's happy to remain here as long as Christ has purpose for them to fulfill. I w- when when God doesn't have no more for me to do, He can take me home. If that's today after this message, He can take me home. Sorry, honey, but He can take me home. I'm ready to go now. I'm willing to go now because I w- I think as great my life is with my wife. I love my wife. But to be in the presence of Jesus, nothing could take that place. Nothing. That's how I live my life. Jesus is number one. And he will always be number one. Philippians 1.23 says, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Do you really, do you look at your lives going, hey, it would be better to die today? I mean, most people don't. But it is. I don't know about you. I'm going to be 53 this year, and that's not super old. But I've got aches and pains. I die. All of that's gone. All the pain and suffering that I see is gone for me. It is far better to die. But God isn't finished with me yet. So why I'm here, I want to do his work. I want to be his. I want you to be his. Wherever you go in the world. See, there are two attitudes we can have about the things of God. The got to attitude or the get to attitude. Ever since I've been a Christian, I'm on the get to. That's how I look at everything. I get to serve him. I get to give the money that he gives me back to him. I get to help people. I get to preach. I get to. That's the attitude you need. Not that you have to, because you don't have to. You get to. There is no got to. We're Christians. If you think there's a got to, you're following the wrong religion. It's a we get to be a part of his work. You should know which word describes your attitude. And if it is the got to, if it is the got to, if you feel like when you give to the church that you have to, then you need to examine your heart. When you serve, you need to examine your heart if it's i got to serve. If you do what you're doing in any aspect of your life, and you say, I've got to do that, then you need to examine yourself. Because you get to do that. And finally, we want to be a church that regularly sees people added to God's kingdom. I've told you this many times. That I want Calvary to be a church that because we've existed, heaven is fuller. Heaven is fuller because we existed. See, God's math is interesting. We discover as we read through Acts that God adds to his church and grows it through multiplication. God adds to his church through multiplying his word. Word. Acts twelve twenty four says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. See, I'm okay if we stay this small. I'm not really, but I, I believe God cares about numbers, by the way. Do you know why? Because he wrote a book called Numbers. So obviously he cares about numbers, else he wouldn't have wrote a book called Numbers. So, so God cares about numbers. And obviously, I don't know, Again, if you haven't read your Bible, you won't know this. But the text we're reading, he was talking about numbers. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he was talking about numbers. God seems very interested about numbers. I mean, as many people come to this church, we'll come to this church. But God does care about numbers, obviously, because there's a lot of them in the book. There's a lot of numbers in this book. So obviously, God does care about numbers. See, how did the early church maintain such a dynamic fellowship and thousands being part of it, though? Think about that. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have power. They didn't have loads of church buildings suddenly pop up. And Acts 2.46 is and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They fellowshiped together, not just on a Sunday. They got to know one another's needs, not just on a Sunday. How are we supposed to get to know each other, if this is it. See, they would meet in the temple courts and in their homes in small groups. It wasn't the same people meeting at the temple and in the homes every day, but multiplied groups of believers who met each day in the temple and homes. As they grew larger, they grew smaller. And that is something that we would have to do. See, what you have to do, as you grow, you have to build up mature. That's why I don't want, like, fast growth. Because if we can mature the people in the church, they will be ready to have small groups. And help grow the church even bigger. Because the church gets... If the church gets bigger, it has to get smaller because there has to be some intimacy there. You can't just fill the seats and think that's good enough. You have to have a relationship because it's a relationship this way and it's a relationship this way. And what that means is we have to become disciples. Do you know what being a disciple is? It's, It's doing life. Together. What did Jesus do when he was making disciples? He says, come follow me. And then all of his followers just followed him wherever he went. He, he went to he went, eat, they eat. He sat down, they sat down. That's what making disciples is about. That's why it's important to get together. Because you can learn from each other. We can learn from each other. But if the only time we get together is, is on a Sunday and the only time we talk to each other is after the offering, how much, how much intimacy is happening? None. Acts 6-7 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. You see, the focus is the key to our truly, of truly being a multi-generational church. Because that's what you need to be. You can't be all the same age. We need multi-generational people in here. See, Second Timothy 2.2 says this, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many Reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to the trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to the others. There's four generations in that. See, first generation discipleship, Jesus to Paul. Second generation discipleship, Paul to Timothy. Third generation discipleship, Timothy to trustworthy people. Fourth generation discipleship, trustworthy people to others. We have to continue to make disciples. Every one of you has been a Christian probably long enough to make disciples. See, if we are truly to be a multi-generational church, then we must be a multiplying church. A church that intentionally multiplies disciples. Multiplying disciples is how our church can grow better. Because I'm not worried about bigger. That will be God's thing. But I think we need to put in the work to grow better as people to get more mature in what we believe. The perfect church. I don't know who wrote this, but it's good. The perfect church, I think, that I shall never see. A church that's all it ought to be. A church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way. A church that has no empty pews, whose pastor never has the blues, a church whose deacons always deak, and none is proud of all, and all are meek, where gossips never pedal lies, or make complaints or criticize, where all are always sweet and kind, and, and to each other's faults are blind, such perfect churches there may be. But none of them are known to me. So I will work and pray and plan to make my church the best I can. That's all we can do. There is no perfect church. But don't you want the best church you can make it? Because I do. So this week, I want you to read the whole of Acts 2. And pray... About how God wants to, to you to make this church the right kind of church, because it's not all up to me. It's not all up to you, me. Robert asked if there was any uh, stuff for the members. It actually states that you are to do stuff too. It's not all about me. It's all about him. And we do this because we are a family. And families work together. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are an amazing God. That you have put us right here. Every one of us came to church today because you wanted us to hear this message of how to become a church. Not a perfect church, but a church that's on the right direction. A direction that fully points towards you. I just lift everybody up in this room to you, God, and pray that we can unite and become one body for you and do your work and your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.